Well, welcome, Southwinds, to week number seven of our 75th anniversary celebration, and it is uh, so good. We're so glad to welcome uh, Matt and his family back today. Hasn't it been good to worship the Lord together? Amen. And I, I also uh, want to say thanks to uh, Pastor Chris Martinez for pinch hitting for me at the last minute last week. Uh, that was great to have uh, that ability to call on him. And also, I want to say a public shout out. Thank you to Pastor Chris Thielen and all of the amazing volunteers that, that joined in to make last week's uh, Harvest Party. This is an amazing, amazing time. Um, we, we estimate that over 5,000 people were on our, our campus and just uh, praying that God is going to use that uh, to impact lives in the days that are ahead. Well, today's message is about one of the truths that undergirds so much of what I believe and so much of who I am and so much of what I have attempted to teach you for uh, almost 20 years now. And this message is gonna be structured a little different than usual because uh, we're gonna be kind of going to different passages around the Bible. And I wanna do that to show you one of the most life-changing truths in the scriptures. And it is a truth about the nature of God. It is a truth about God and none of us, none of us will ever truly grow as Christ followers until we believe and live out of this truth. Now, we're gonna be talking today about the goodness of God, and my title, you may recognize, it goes back to an old song, kind of a chorus. Some of us used to sing, God is so good. You know, for 75 years, I was thinking this week that we have been, as a church, at our best when we have lived out of the goodness of God. And this is a truth that I, I pray we will always live through and live out as a church family. Now here's my central idea today. It's that if you know God is God and if you believe God is good, not just as an idea you agree with, but as a conviction that you, you live by, it changes everything in your life. And see, some of us live in the reality that God is a good father, and we may stumble at times, and we may doubt sometimes, but most of the time, we live in the confidence, we live in the security that our lives are in the hands of a good God. Others of us may never have been taught that God is good and that he has good plans for our lives, and, and then some of us, we have heard that he is good, but for whatever reason, we, we just struggle to accept that. We're just not sure. And you know, one of the signs that we're not sure that God is good is we have FOMO. Now, you know what FOMO is, some of you, some of you don't. If you're under 30, I probably don't need to explain. Um, if you're over 30 and I'm looking around and a lot of you are kind of old. Um, <laughs> so I'm gonna explain. FOMO is an acronym for the fear of missing out. And FOMO has actually always been around, but we, we deal with it a lot more these days because we just kind of live our lives online, right? I mean, someone takes an amazing trip somewhere, and then we all have to look at all of their stupid pictures, <laughs> right? 
You know, someone is at a party and you didn't get invited and all the pictures are up there on Instagram reminding you that you didn't get invited or, or maybe someone bought something and you wanted that but you can't afford that and like, I, I don't have that and they just go ahead and they put all those pictures up and they share it rest of the, with the rest of the world. It's like, I'm missing out. And FOMO is just always about I'm not there or I'm not with them or I don't have that. I'm just missing out. FOMO, it leads to a lot of anxiety and fear. But in reality, FOMO is not anything but just a new version of an ancient problem. The very first lie that our very first parents, Adam and Eve, believed was the fear of missing out. The serpent told them, you know, God, he's keeping some really good stuff away from you. You're missing out. FOMO is at the root of his temptation that he put before them to distrust and to disobey God. It was this question that was there. Do you really think that God has your best interests in mind? And ever since, part of our our fallen condition has just been grappling with this issue. Does God want what is truly best for us? Is God good? See, underneath so many of our anxieties and, and, and alongside so much of our contentment is doubt about whether or not God is truly good, whether or not we can trust him to do what is best for us if we follow him fully because we're just not sure. It's this issue that we are actually wrestling with every time we are tempted to compromise God's standards to get something we think that we really need, something we're convinced that will bring us our life joy and bring our life meaning. And it might be a relationship and it might be a possession. It might be an achievement. It is the root issue Whenever we pursue sexual satisfaction outside of God's will, which is marriage, it is the issue when we cut ethical corners to to make a business deal happen. It is the issue whenever we are racked with anxiety because we don't think we have enough. And it is the issue when we know we have enough, but we still want something more. See, why hasn't God given us everything we want, everything that we hope for? Maybe he's not really on our side. Maybe he's holding back from us. Maybe he's not totally good. And that's the question, isn't it? See, you're never going to be able in your life to fully follow the Lord until you actually believe, and not just intellectually, but down in the core of your being, down in your heart and in your soul, that the God who made you the God who died for you, that he loves you so much and that he is so very good that the best way to know the very best things in all of life is always, always, always to trust him and obey him and to do his will. See, that only happens in your life and mine, when you are fully convinced that God is good and that God wants what is best for you, when you know, you know, you know, if you follow him, you're never gonna miss out. Is God good? 
A.W. Tozer writes this in his classic book, The Knowledge of the Holy. He says, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. We tend by a secret law of the soul to move toward our mental image of God. And I'll just put it like this. Everything in your life revolves around your view of God. Like if you think God is harsh and critical with you or you think you are never measuring up to what God expects of you or you think you're only loved when you do the stuff that God says, your view of God is at the very core of everything in your life, every relationship, every decision. And it all comes back to this. It all comes back to that question, is God good? Am I going to experience good, what's best in my life if I follow him. I want you to write this down. It's on the app. You can take your notes there or wherever you're writing them down. But I want you to think about this. All of our struggles in life are based on distorted and accurate views of God. And see, if you begin to actually believe that God is truly good, and and when I I say believe, again, I, I mean a conviction that shows up in how you live, then I wanna tell you the vast majority of your fears and your anxieties will begin to lose their power. You will begin to find a peace in the center of your very being, and that peace will not change with your circumstances. You will gain new perspective and wisdom in all of your relationships and all of the decisions you make every day, and it all comes back to this question. Do I believe that God is good? And you know, more and more, when I believe that, my life just changes every day. You wake up in the morning and you go through your day and then you go to sleep at night confident that God is with you, confident that he always has your best interests at heart, confident that that he has the power to bring his purposes into reality. That means, friends, that means you are living in the goodness of God. Now, I wanna ask and answer three questions for us today. And here's the first one. How should we understand God's goodness? And we're just gonna try to uh, do a, a brief definition of what this means. And we're gonna go to one of the first places in the Bible that the subject of God's goodness gets discussed in some detail, and that is Exodus chapters 33 and 34, and so uh, if you will get your Bibles open there or turn your Bibles on to get there, this is a story about God's leader, Moses, who has led God's people, the nation of Israel, out of Egypt, and they have seen so many incredible miracles. The Red Sea parted, fire by night, a cloud by day, manna coming down from the skies every morning to feed the entire nation, miracle after miracle. And and Moses is up on Mount Sinai, and he's receiving the Ten Commandments and leading this This nation has been difficult. The people are rebellious and and Moses prays and it's just this unbelievable prayer and and we pick it up in Exodus 33, 18. Then Moses said, now show me your glory and Moses says, God, I I wanna know all there is to know of you. I have seen your, your power. I really wanna know you and God's response to Moses basically is you have no idea what you're talking about what you're asking for. He says, no one can see me and live. 
But God's heart is so moved. Later, he's gonna call Moses the friend of God. He says, you, you see that big rock formation right over there, Moses? You go over there and you get behind it and I'm gonna pass by and you're gonna see, you're gonna see a glimpse. I'm gonna let you have a glimpse of my back. And, and it's a way of just saying, I'm not gonna show you everything about me. We gotta give you a, a part of what you're asking for. Verse 19, and the Lord said, and he's talking about what he's showing him. I will cause all my goodness, all my goodness to pass in front of you. And I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. And God is saying to Moses, I'm gonna let you know who I really am. And he, he could have said, think about this, he could have said all my holiness. He, he could have said all my power, all my love. But he said all my goodness. And we pick up the answer to this prayer, next chapter, chapter 34, this is verses five through seven, where God does what he promises. It says, then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name. The Lord. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming the Lord the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love. And by the way, one of the most important Hebrew lexicons says that one of the primary translations of this word that's love in most of our English translations, one of the primary meanings is goodness. Love and goodness are very closely related. Slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin, yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation. So, so God, he shows Moses his goodness, but what, what does that mean? Uh, there's a book that I would recommend to any of you. It's been out for about 50 years now. Uh, it's a classic book. It's written by a man named J.I. Packer. It's called Knowing God. It's actually sold over a million copies. So listen to what he writes. He says, within the cluster of God's moral perfections, there is one in particular to which the term goodness points. The quality which God specially singled out from the whole when proclaiming all his goodness to Moses. He spoke of himself as abundant in goodness and truth. This is the quality of generosity. Now again, that Hebrew word is actually the Hebrew word hesed. It, it's just such a, a rich word. Uh, it can be translated not only love, not only good. It can also be translated pleasant or agreeable or joyful. Sometimes it's translated noble or admirable or, or worthy. It, it, it's about moral perfection. But at the core, Packer says, of God's goodness is this concept of generosity. Is that how you think about God? Do you think of God as the most generous being in all the universe? What is generosity? 
Well, Packer continues. He says, generosity means a disposition to give to others in a way which has no mercenary motive and is not limited by what the recipients deserve, but consistently goes beyond it. Generosity expresses the simple wish that others should have what they need to make them happy. How differently would you pray if you believed that the creator of the universe, who knows the future, who who knows everything about you, who knows every relationship in your life, who knows every struggle you've ever had, who knows every hurt or wound or scar, if you believed that he is generous and that he wants to lead and to guide your life so that you are truly happy. How would you pray? See, a key part of trusting and living in God's goodness is just accepting that God knows best what will truly make you happy. Do you believe that, Southwinds? That God knows best what will truly make you happy. See, we, we live in a culture where every day, all the time, it's always being told to us, pounded into our heads, that there are all these things and they will make us happy, but they never do, right? And they never will. Again, in Tozer's book, The Knowledge of the Holy, he defines God's goodness like this. He says, the goodness of God is that which disposes him to be kind, cordial, benevolent, and full of goodwill toward men. And again, I want to ask you, what is your, your mental concept of God? I mean, how many of you, just be honest with yourself right now. This is you and God. You're sitting there in your chair. You know, how many of you, you know, you see God really truly when it comes down to just like a, a cranky grandpa always telling everybody, get off my lawn. Or maybe you see him as like this kind of uptight school teacher, always lecturing, always you know, wagging a finger at everybody. And how, how many of you, when, when you think of God, what you really truly think of is you're always angry, Dad. See, when you pray, do you feel like God is kind and friendly and patient and, and just full of good intentions towards you, always wanting your best, do you? Tozer goes on to say he is tenderhearted and of quick sympathy and his unfailing attitude toward all moral beings is open, frank, and, and friendly. Like, quick with sympathy? Are you kidding me? I mean, when some of us, this is the honest truth right here. When some of us do anything that's wrong, we, we feel like we have to beat ourselves up for two or three days at least if it was a big sin and it was a little sin, you know, maybe a couple hours. Just beat ourselves up for, before God will look at us again and maybe smile. That last line, by his nature, he is inclined to bestow blessedness and he takes holy pleasure in the happiness of his people. Do you see that God, God finds great joy in us just like you as a parent when you see your children experiencing happiness, doing what they were made to do. It just fills your heart. That's how God feels about you. But here's the thing, here's the thing. So many of us do not believe that. Or we only believe it up here, kind of at an intellectual level, because it does not guide the way that we live. 
And here's what I am telling you today. If you struggle with this, the only way you're ever going to find any kind of victory is as you renew your mind, as you begin to learn to think differently. We must learn to think about God the way he has revealed himself to us, not the way that our fallen sinfulness distorts who he is. And I'm telling you again, you hear me say this all the time, you're never going to renew your mind unless you are reading God's word. You're gonna have to memorize and meditate scripture on scripture. And I actually wanna be really practical today. I actually wanna give you something you can take uh, with you today and work on. And it's this verse, Psalm 84, 11. I want you to listen to it. And I'm telling you before you hear it, many of you need to memorize this verse. Here's what it says. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk urgently. He is a son. That, that is an unlimited source of blessing. He's a shield. He, he can protect us from any danger. He gives favor. Do you know what favor is? It's God's undeserved mercy and grace toward you. You didn't do anything. It's just flowing from his goodness. God is good to us, not because we're good. And I'm, I'm just looking around right here and I can tell you're not good. <laughs> but you know what the good news is? You don't have to be good for God to be good to you. It just flows from who he is. It's just who he is. He is good to us because he's good. He cannot be any other way. And his disposition, that word, you know, disposition, you know that word, it's just the way people are. I mean, do you know some people, like they're just mad all the time? You know, do you know some people, I mean, they're just critical all the time. Don't, don't look at them. I mean, how many of you just, you wake up cranky in the morning? How many of you say, oh, I just let her sleep? Um, I'll wake her up. God, God doesn't wake up cranky in the morning. In fact, this will, this will surprise a lot of you, and maybe you need to write this down. God likes you. He does, he, he just likes you. He, he loves you, he just wants to help you. He wants to encourage you, he wants to bestow favor and honor to lift you up. He wants to meet the deepest needs of your heart. And, and friends, here's the promise, the pathway to that, every command, every step of obedience, if you follow God's way, his commands are there to protect you and help you to keep you on the path where God can bless you. And, and we know how this works, parents. We do this with our kids all the time. You know, when they're little, we tell them, don't touch the stove. Don't put the fork in that outlet right there, right? Don't go running out in the street. We tell them that. I mean, can you imagine if your two-year-old said back to you one time, mom, you're, no, you're never any fun. You don't ever let me do anything that's fun. You don't ever let me stick my fork in that outlet right there or touch the pretty blue flame. And there's so much room to run and play out on the street. You ruin my life. And if our two-year-old was to say that to us, <laughs> we would know that they just don't see the big picture, right? 
And when God says to you, I want you to be sexually pure, when God says to you, I want you to give me the first and the best part of your day, when God says, I want you to do your work always like you're working for me, when he says, I want you to walk in humility, not in pride, when God says to you, I want you to be generous with your money, when God says all these things, he is saying them so that he can bless us and give us his best his goodness. See, we are all on a lifelong quest for goodness. It is behind every choice you've ever made, behind every longing you've ever had. We are always, always trying to find goodness in relationships. We are trying to find it in things. And God says there is a way that seems right to a man, but it ends in death. And God says, go my way, let me bless you, I love you, I am good, I want your best. If you believe he's telling you the truth that he is good, then you'll do that. Because only God will ever satisfy your unquenchable desire for goodness. He is so generous, he wants to pour out his generosity on his children. Second question. Well, how does he do that? How does God reveal his goodness? Now, there are so many things the Bible tells us. I just wanna show you three ways uh, this morning, and here's the first one. You can write this down. God reveals his goodness by generously pouring out blessings all around us. See, in this world, which is God's world, which God created, God has scattered blessings all around us. And friends, there are so, so many that we often just take them for granted, amen? Psalm 145, verses seven through nine says this, they will celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. Do you ever wake up on a morning like this and look outside and ask yourself, why is the sky so beautiful? Why are there mountains? Why are there oceans? And why are there so many incredible, amazing animals in the world? And why so many colors everywhere? You know, when I walk and run and part of Tracy where I live, the path that I go on, there are all kinds of wonderful aromas and and smells. There's the peppery aroma of of pepper trees. That's why it's peppery. You ever smell that? There's the perfume of star jasmine and crepe myrtle, depending on the season. In the spring, I, I will walk where I walk, and I'll go past yards where there are orange trees and lemon trees, and they're in blossom and it smells amazing, doesn't it? I, I, I'll just be honest with you. I, I am convinced that orange blossoms are one of the proofs of the existence of God. And in the fall, like right now, there's, there's always this warm, musky aroma of a sycamore tree. 
See, God has spread out his goodness. He causes his blessings, his goodness to fall on the evil and the good. And and we are blessed, aren't we? We are blessed to live in an area where we can gaze at the grandeur of Yosemite and we can marvel at the immensity of the Pacific in one day, right? I mean, yeah, we we live in Tracy. um, And we all know this may not be, you know, the garden spot of the universe and And we kind of make fun sometimes, but have you ever stopped to look around? In the mornings and in the evenings when we can see the golden hills and the valley oaks and the soaring hawks and the fog creeping over the hills. It's incredible and it's beautiful and it's blessing from God and his goodness that he gives to us. Here's what I know some of you are saying, because like I've been your pastor for a long time. I know you. Some of you are sitting there right now. Yeah, you know, Pastor Mike, I'm not into all that. I got work to do. I got a life to live. And, you know, Pastor Mike, you're a pastor. You live up at the church where like all the angels fly around all the time, not, not in the real world. And I want to say to you, listen to me right now. What? <laughs> are you telling me that the numbers you crunch and the strategies you pursue and the plans you are following, that your hobbies and your interests are more important, more beautiful, are better actually than the good works of God's hands. And if that's what you think, here's what I wanna say to you. You need to repent. Do you really think that what we do as human beings somehow is better than what God has done in his creation? Are you in your life diminishing the work of God's hands? Are are you so focused in on your little tiny world that you're not seeing the goodness and the glory and the grace of God in the things that are all around you every single day? And then just expand it out from that. I mean, we live in America and we've got our problems, amen? But have you thanked God recently that you live in a country where you can actually express your opinions, even the stupid ones? (laughs) That you have relatively good health, that that you are richer than like 99.9% of the people who have ever lived on this planet? Do you know that one third of our world lives on less than a dollar a day? Have you thanked God recently for the education that you do have, for the home that you do live in, for the relationships that are yours, all of the blessings that are in your life that God has scattered and poured out and covered you over with all around you? so easy for us sometimes to focus in on that one something that we don't have, right? And that thing grows and grows and it becomes, for some of us, the filter, the thing that pushes everything else aside and we we forget his goodness. Later in Psalm 145, this is verses 16 and 17, it says, you open your hand and you satisfy the desires of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in what? All his ways and loving toward who? All that he has made. Do you wanna begin to appreciate God's goodness? Let me give you two words. Look around. Look around. In fact, quit looking down. Look around. 
This is not in my notes, and this is for free, okay? I'll just let you know. I have no idea what I'm about to say. (laughs) I'm pretty convinced in 2022 that one of the chief enemies to most of us ever really seeing and experiencing and knowing and living in the goodness of God is this. Quit looking at your phone and start looking at what God has done Look around, look around at the beauty, look at life and air and health and food and joy and, and people. I mean, look at the opportunities you have, your talents, your, your, your freedom, your wealth, your education, all your relationships. Just thank him for the son that actually came up again this morning. I mean, he did that. And if you begin in your life to habitually thank God for his blessings, I'm just telling you, you will become a person who's more and more and more in tune with his goodness and your life will get filled up with gratitude and filled up with joy the more that you live in the light of the goodness of God. Don't you want to be that person? Psalm 84.11 says, For the Lord, the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who, up, who walk uprightly. And some of you are like, um, You already read that verse. I know, but you didn't listen the first time I read it. (laughs) We live in a fallen and broken world, friends, but if God is sovereign, this means that anything that comes into your life, any relationship, circumstance, disappointment, that means that he has allowed it, that means there is some purpose in it, even if you can't see it. And so I can be honest with God and I can say, God, I don't like this. This isn't my plan. This is hard, God. I wish you would take it away. But God, because I know and believe that you are good, I'm gonna choose to give you thanks. And when you become a thankful person, life always changes. Here's the second way God reveals his goodness, by graciously delivering from trouble. Uh, I would like you, if you would, open your Bible to Psalm 107. I want you to at least look at this and see it. It's a a long psalm, and have no fear, we're not gonna read it right now, but I want you to see something about the structure of this psalm, and I hope you'll go back and read it later. This psalm is about God intervening in our lives, and he does this for believers, and he actually does this for those who don't believe. And here's the thing, sometimes when life is hard, we think God is distant and, and we think God is saying to us, you better start being good. When you start acting right, then I'm gonna show up, then I'll be good to you. But this Psalm tells us God is not like that. The key idea in Psalm 107 is right in the beginning, verse one, give thanks to the Lord. Why? For he is good. His love endures forever. And our response should be verse two, let the redeemed of the Lord say this, those he redeemed from the hand of the foe, from all those things that have come against us, those he gathered from the lands from east and west, from north and south. And, and then the psalmist, he'll go into four specific things, uh, these like little scenes, little vignettes where God rescues and intervenes. Uh, he does it from things like spiritual drift and from the shadow of death and from disease and, and salvation in a storm. And if you have time to read this, the structure goes like this. I'll, I'll give you a couple scenes so you can read the whole thing for yourself. Uh, scene one is about spiritual drift. Verse four, some wandered in desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. 
They were hungry and thirsty, and their lives ebbed away. And then each time, what did they do? Notice, then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. And what does God do? He delivered them from their distress. Verse seven, he led them by a straight way to a city where they could settle. What is our response? Verse eight, let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men for he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. Scene two, rescuing us from the shadow of death. Verse 10, some sat in darkness in the deepest gloom, prisoners suffering in iron chains. How did they get there? Verse 11, For they had rebelled against the words of God and despised the counsel of the Most High. So he subjected them to bitter labor. They stumbled and there was no one to help. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he saved them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness and the deepest gloom and broke away their chains. What do we do? How do we respond? Verse 15, let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love or his goodness and his wonderful deeds for men. Do you see the pattern? Verse, uh, scene three is in verses 17 through 21. Won't read that. But it shows how even the people who rebelled against God and suffered affliction, seems like it was physical diseases, when they cried out to God in his goodness, he saved them. He healed them. He rescued them. Give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love towards people who mess up their lives. Anybody want to say Amen. Scene four is in verses 23 to 32. It, it shows how God gives protection from the storms that threaten to sink our lives. Verse 31, you can look at that. It's because of his unfailing love and his goodness that he does this. Now, now here's what I want you to see. And you can go back and check this out. In three of the four scenes, people are in trouble because of their own sin. They messed it up. They caused where they are. And what we see is when messed up people, some of them very far from God, and some of us have been there, amen? Uh, we, we make these decisions that messed up our lives terribly. What we tend to think is that, that God is not gonna help me. God is not gonna intervene. I gotta do better. I gotta straighten out my life. I gotta make things right. I have to start doing the right things. And when I do, then will God will show up. Then God will answer. And sometimes, you ever done this when you're in that place you know you've messed up. You're, you, you quit reading your Bible. You quit praying because you're like, I'm far from God. God doesn't want to hear from me. God doesn't want to be around me. God does not like me at all right now. And I'm just telling you, when you do that, you're wasting your life. You're wasting those days. There is no reason to do that at all. God wants to intervene in your life. It doesn't matter why it's messed up. So cry out to him, reach out to him, receive his help because he's good. He's good. See, I wanna encourage you, even now, to start thinking about ways where you can look back and see where God has delivered you. Can you think of times in your life where God has delivered you? Has God ever delivered you? If he has, would you raise your hand right now? Has he ever delivered you? Just look around right now. I think every hand is going up. God is a delivering God, a rescuing God, an intervening God. So cry out to him because he is what, friends? Good. He's good. He's good. 
See, we need to look around, but also what I've just been saying, a second thing, you can write this down, we need to look back. Because don't you think that the God who has delivered you in the past will deliver you in the future? He's already done it, will he not do it again? And then finally, and this is so good, God reveals his goodness by Jesus, who is the ultimate demonstration of God's goodness. I would put it also this way, Jesus is the proof of, of God's goodness. In Romans 5, 8, very familiar verse, Paul is giving the gospel, he says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In other words, God's goodness to us wasn't when we cleaned up our act. You see, friends, the greatest proof of God's goodness is the, is the cross. He loved us when we were in rebellion, when we were in his, his enemies, when we were shaking our fists at him, saying we don't want anything to do with him. God loved us and sent his son, and Jesus died for you, and he did this because God is good. Jesus is also, this is more, <laughs> the guarantee of future goodness, See, I can know for certain that God will be good in the future because of what Jesus has already done. Romans 8, 31 and 32, it says, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for his all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? And here's what Paul is saying. Listen carefully. If God has been good enough to give you his son, his only son, why? Why would you doubt his goodness to you in every other area of your life? See, some of us, like, think of it this way. Some of us have really made just like an utter mess of our financial lives. And let's just imagine, hope this won't be a nightmare reenactment for some of you, but let's just imagine that somehow you have made such a mess that you have $1 million in consumer debt and you really have no way out. There's just nothing realistically that you can do to get out of it. But what if someone in the midst of that shows up one day and says, you know what? I have the resources. I can help you. I will write you a check. And they pay all your debts off and you are free and your life will never be the same. And you say, thank you to them. And they say, I'm so glad I could do it. And you say, man, I can't believe you did that. And they said, you know what? Let's just go have some lunch, okay? I just wanna spend time with you, they say. Let, let's, let's go to Panera. And you say to them, are, are you sure you have enough to cover for both of us have lunch? <laughs> like, that would be ridiculous, wouldn't it? That, that's what we do when we act as if God, who's given us Jesus, is not gonna take care of everything else in our lives. He's so good, so good. Here's the third thing, and we'll be done very quickly. Number three, how do we respond to God's goodness? And I wanna give you three very specific ways to respond to his goodness. There are three different kinds of people in almost every room. And the first is someone who's outside of Christ. And maybe you're here today, and you don't even claim to be a follower of Jesus. Maybe you're not even sure God exists. Here's what the word says to you. God's will for you to receive his goodness is this, repent and receive God's greatest good gift, which is eternal life through Jesus Christ. 
And God connects that to goodness. Romans 2, 4 says, or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, tolerance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you toward repentance? And here's what I know. Some of you here today, right now, God's kindness has been drawing you. God's kindness has been tugging at you, pulling you. You realize you're going the wrong way and it's time to turn around. That's what God wants you to do. Repent and receive God's gift of forgiveness. You say to God, God, I want you to come into my life. I know you are good and I am not. And I'm trusting in your good son and his death for me on the cross for eternal life. Second response, and this is some of you who are living in that in-between place, God's way, my way in between. And maybe you're saying, you know, God, I'm all in except for. You know, you can't say all in and except for. That doesn't go together. And God brought you here today maybe to deal with that except for. Your response is surrender and follow God in every area of your life. Give your life fully to him. He is the Lord. Romans 12.1 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. And you can do that today, even now. Thirds group of people. You've listened. Maybe you thought, you know what, I'm all in. But like, Pastor Mike, this is really hard. I, I've gone through some stuff I really struggle with that I, I, I want to do what's right. But I need some strength. I have a verse for you. Anyone want to guess what it is? It's Psalm 84, 11. See, some of you, I told you twice, this is your final chance, okay? Number three, claim God's promise of his goodness every day. Why? Psalm 84, 11, for the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. And if you haven't picked up on it yet here, let me make it clear as we close. I want you to make this verse a part of your life. I want you to memorize this verse. I want you to say this verse every day. I want you to give thanks to God out of the words of this verse every day. I want this verse to become not just a verse, but the testimony of your heart and your mind and your mouth because you believe God is good. Is God good, Southwinds? He is good. All the time and all the time, he's good. He is so good, so good. Would you bow your heads as we pray together? Father, if we would just believe that you are good, Lord, the power of our fears and anxieties would just be cut, Lord. The, the guilt that we have, Lord, would just evaporate, Father. We, we would know your strength, your peace if we would just begin to trust in you. And Lord, help us to understand that even when you discipline us, it's out of a loving heart to give us what is best. Lord, I just pray right now for any person outside of your son, Jesus, that you would flood their mind with a sense of how good and kind you are, that you would turn their hearts toward you. And Lord, I pray for any believers who are not all in, trying, Lord, to run their lives. Help them now to believe 
that the path they're on will lead to destruction. It is only following you that leads to life. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you are a sun and shield, that you, Lord, give grace and you give glory. And Lord, as we believe and follow, you will never withhold any good thing from us. And we know that. We know that, Father, because you have given us your son. And it is in his precious, strong, holy, and good name that we pray. In the name of Jesus. And all God's people said.